Thank you for joining us for the 539 Church Podcast. 539 Church is a new church in Goodyear Heights, Ohio, that's inviting friends into family. If you live in the Northeast Ohio area, we'd love to have you join us on a Sunday morning. For more information about us, including our service times and live stream information, check out the links in our show notes or visit us online at 539.church. That's F-I-V-E 39.church. Please take a moment to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. Well, good morning, uh, church. So grateful to be here. Um, Not very often do you hear a pastor make a confession. So you've come to a good day. Uh, We are doing a series here called What I Wish My Pastor Would Say. And I think all of us here are trying to live, as Pastor Mike would say, under the book. Uh, We're wanting to live a godly life. But if we were honest, we all have our hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Do we not? Or am I the only one? Uh, And so as pastors, sometimes we look at a pastor and we think, man, they've got it all together. And we do not always have it together. Most of the time, but we do not always have it together. And so I want to share a confession with you that I had to work through uh, early in ministry uh, that hopefully will help you and minister to you and challenge you if you are in that same situation. Um, I I was hurt. I was angry. Um, and I was bitter. Um, just the, the thought of it conjures up emotions and feelings that I had gone down the wrong road. Uh, it all had to do with the church split. I was a young youth pastor at the time, and I was just kind of a pawn in this ugly church conflict that was going on. And I was sad. I was sad. I was seeing the body of Christ being torn apart. But I felt like I was used and abused. I felt like I was betrayed, and I, I was bitter. I was very, very bitter. And I didn't realize how bitter I was at the time until I began to walk through it. I, I, have to, I haven't shared this with many people. I cannot tell you how many times I got in the car, windshield time, and I said, Lord, you sit those people down, you shut those people up, and you inflict suffering on them like never before. <laughs> I prayed that. I prayed that. And I, and I know this morning, I mean, I was bitter. I know this morning that as I talk about bitterness, it's going to open up a wound for some of you. I know that. And there's some of you already thinking, oh, Craig, don't, 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 don't go there. We need to go there. We need to go there this morning because when you think of the person, when you think of the situation, when you think of the church or how you were betrayed or how you were deceived, If we don't confront it, it will control us. And if you have ever been in a situation where you have tasted the bitter taste of bitterness, you know what it's like to go through a season that is ugly. Can you say that with me? Ugly. Most of us here have encountered a season of bitterness in our life. And most of us would say, you know what? I don't ever want to go through it again. And yet I have a feeling there are some of us sitting here that are going through that season today. We're not willing to let go of that, whatever that is. Sadly, uh, bitterness is storming the hearts of people outside of the church and inside of the church as well. And I don't know if you've noticed as you're going around your day, but kindness and forgiveness and withholding a grudge from others is as uncommon as seeing a stagecoach on the interstate freeway. 
You just don't see it many times. So how do we deal with a spirit of bitterness? Because I have been there. I have been bitter. I had been bitter. And it was only through the Lord working through my life that I was able to shed that and control that rather than it control me. How do we get through this time or this season of bitterness that can be like a cancer in our life that subtly and deadly comes in? The writer of Hebrews, everybody say Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews, and I believe the writer is the Apostle Paul, is writing to Jewish Christians who have put their trust in Christ for the forgiveness of sin. But around that region, around that area, are all of these Jews. And these Jews have turned their back on those that have put their trust in Christ. They are abrasive, they are rude, and they are lashing out against these Jewish Christians that have made a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. And Paul says, we don't want to become bitter towards them. And so he instructs them on how they should respond and how they should react as Christ followers. Hebrews 12 verses 1 or Hebrews 12 verses 14 and 15 says this. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Those two verses alone if those were our marching orders as believers in Christ we would see tense relationships resolved. We would see families going from being broken to being whole. We would see churches from being a, 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 a church of discord to a, a church of harmony. If we just latched on to those two verses. It says, make every effort to live at peace with what? Everyone. Everyone. Have we really made an effort to be at peace with everyone? Uh, and I'm not just talking about people that we like. I'm talking about people that maybe have hurt us or broken up with us or there's been a tense relationship there or we feel deceived in some way. And there are some of you I know, and, and, and I have been there, that, that are saying right now, you have no idea. You have no idea what they've done to me, what they've said to me, how they've responded to me, and I am so bitter right now towards them. And you know what? I would say, you're right. I, I don't truly understand. But I, I, I know this. If you're bitter, and you're bitter, and you're bitter, it may be three different areas that you're bitter in. But I know the result is always the same. The destructive nature of bitterness can destroy your soul and it can destroy your relationship with others. And I've seen it happen in my life as a pastor. Um, someone once said, bitterness is like drinking poison and then waiting for it to kill your enemy. Uh, I, I want you to take this morning because there are so many times we come to 539 and we latch on to something and it's right here. But it yet doesn't come here. And we understand something. We understand about bitterness. And I could walk through and we could teach about bitterness today. But somewhere it's got to go from our head to our heart where we're convicted by it. And it moves us to the point of where it moves us to our actions. That we end up doing something about it. 
I know I have sat in church, heard thousands of sermons that I've kept up here. And there have been a few that have been here. And there have been a few that have been here. And so this morning, when we talk about bitterness, please don't say, oh, I'm so, I'm so glad Dan Racevich is here today. Because he really needs to hear this. You know, I'm so glad. I wish my kids were here today. I want you to think about your life and maybe go a little bit deeper this morning to think, is there someone or something where you have found bitterness coming in and trying to take control of your heart, from your head to your heart to your actions? Well, we do know this. Bitterness is a hidden destroyer. The writer of Hebrews uses this imagery of a root to describe bitterness, where beneath the surface, where no one can see, the root of bitterness can give birth and begin to grow. Now, I, I am told that in California, there are those massive redwood sequoia trees. And you do a little bit of Googling, and you'll, you'll find that these trees can, can uh, grow as tall as 350 feet high over that. Uh, that's almost the, the length of a football field. That's massive that these trees are. They have roots that spread out over 50 feet in all directions. Bitterness can lie below the surface of the soul, and the damage that it does can extend to generations. Listen for a second. My bitterness can extend to my children, and their children, and their children's children. Our bitterness can extend to our church family, and from our first church family onward. Bitterness is, is deadly in many ways. And it's just below the surface. Like the roots of a redwood, bitterness can damage our relationships and the life God desires for us. And here, here's the thing that I think a lot of us forget about dinner, bitter, bitterness is that bitterness is often forgotten. We forget about how bitter we are until what? Until the name is mentioned until the situation comes up, until something that triggers how hurt I am regarding this person or this thing. Hurt leads to bitterness, bitterness to anger. And when you travel down that road so far, you lose your way. Um, for some of us, and for me, I pushed bitterness down for a while. I was so mad about a church split. I was so mad. And I pushed it down like a beach ball in a pool. And, and you can only keep it down for, for so long until it comes up and, and you see the, the visible bitter fruit that, that bitterness can have. And, and I've seen it and you've seen it. I've seen bitterness in others and you've seen bitterness in others. But rarely do we, are we honest enough to say, I'm going through a time of bitterness in my life. And I'm not exaggerating. There were times I prayed harm on someone because I felt so slighted. We can push it down for only so long and it will come to the surface. No one wants to be around someone who's bitter. Anybody here want to be around someone who's bitter? Oh, I love bitter people. No, no. Even their facial expressions change when you're bitter. You look like you're sucking on a lemon, you know? 
And, and so uh, we, we see that it truly is a hidden destroyer. But also bitterness always poisons others. Roots will never stay in your own backyard. It will always intrude on someone else's life. Hebrews 12, 15 says this. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Now, I don't really pull out the Greek card because uh, I don't know an awful lot of Greek. But the Greek word for bitterness is maiano. Maeano, which means to contaminate or to pollute or to stain. When I think of contaminating something, I think of when I go overseas. And when I go overseas, Mexico, Nicaragua, Honduras, Guatemala, it, it, it always amazes me that no matter how many times I go over there, someone will say, hey, do not drink the what? Water. Why? Because it is contaminated. And someone can tell you that as much as possible. And though a fruit looks good, if it's been washed with their water, you're going to know it down the road. And I was at a restaurant in Guatemala, a nice restaurant, and I don't know why, but I ordered a salad. And they wash their water that's contaminated with bad water. They wash that salad. And I ate that salad, and I felt great. And I flew home. And that night, when I got home, you know the song, I Got a River of Life Flowing Out of Me? You know that song? Oh, man. Uh, for like five days. Five days. I mean, people are like, have you lost weight? Yes, I have. I have lost weight. It was terrible. It was terrible. But I didn't see it. Something that was supposed to be pure had been contaminated. That's what bitterness does. Maiano. A stain. Contaminated polluted. Follow me on this. We live in a culture that believes all anger and bitterness should be broadcasted. Do we not? That on every news channel and every social media platform, people's lives are so defined by their hurt and so defined by their betrayal that they are going to invite as many people as they can into their problem, into their issue. That's the world that we live in today, where people no longer celebrate the blessings of God but they celebrate the bitterness of their soul. Bitterness and godliness cannot coexist in the same heart. And you'll see up here, a bitter root is a root that always bears bitter fruit. And when we invite people into our bitterness, we become a stumbling block for them pursuing peace. And you've seen it. When we invite people into our bitterness, we're, we're a stumbling block to them, for them to pursue peace. It only takes one bitter person to ruin a community group. It only takes one person to ruin a missions trip that's bitter. It only takes one person that's bitter that ruins a job atmosphere. You know what I'm talking about. It happens to all of us. Recently, I have... Um, I have been thrown so much negativity. When I go overseas, I feel like I'm being detoxed. I, I just feel like I'm okay again. And I come home, and I'm bombarded by social media. And just the negativity. And I, so I have considerably limited my social media to only six hours a day. 
And uh, no, no, I've, 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 I've limited because I'm so tired of the ranting and the raving. And, and friends, this isn't coming from people that are lost. It's coming from people that have been rescued by the blood of Jesus that are so bitter and they're broadcasting it. That's caused me to step back and say, I don't, I don't need that. I don't want that in my life. I don't want to be bitter and I don't want to be drawn into someone else's bitterness. So with all of that, how do we take healthy steps to find freedom from the poison of bitterness? Because it's probably going to affect all of us at some time or another in our life. But it does not help this morning if I stand up here and I say, just get over it. It does not help if I say, just get over it. Because we will never get over bitterness until we walk through it and understand how to walk through through it together. So how do we kill the root of bitterness? The first one is pretty obvious, but it's important. Number one, you expose it. You you expose it. You expose the object of your bitterness. And for some of you, that may not be easy to be able to admit that, uh, to stop denying it, uh, to, to stop excusing it, but to admit, I am bitter with this person. And why is it that when we hear that name, we automatically find ourselves wanting to go down the rabbit trail of bitterness. When you hear that name, you find yourself visibly going, because it happens. Why is it that when you see your mother or father, you want to keep walking in the opposite direction? Why is it that when you hear the word promotion, you want to punch the wall because, because some Yahoo got the promotion and you didn't, and he didn't deserve it? And that root of bitterness starts to come into play in our life. Why? Why is that? Uh, we are not able to kill the root of bitterness until we admit it. Don't deny it or excuse what is suffocating our soul. For one more moment, expose it. Ephesians 5.11 says, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. To bring it to light. See, this is the enemy's, one of the enemy's greatest weapons. He wants you to keep your sinfulness in the dark. He does not want you to expose it. He does not want you to admit it. But when we expose it, and when we step out and call it what it is, I am mad at, I am bitter at, we just stepped into light. And we started to make progress by moving forward instead of keeping it to ourselves have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. So have we acknowledged it? Have we written it down? That's a start for some of us. Maybe it's a father, a mother, a child, a a marriage, a family, a church. I mean, the list is endless of areas that we could be bitter in today. But have you at least written it down or have you at least shared it with someone you trust and respect? We cannot heal or change from what we are unwilling to admit. So let's back up where I was. Our daughter was about three months old. We had been through a church split. It had only been a couple days since the church had split, and I am raw. I am hurting. I am somewhere between being mad and crying. And we go out to the Hartville kitchen to eat. My wife and I and our little little daughter, Amanda. We get out of the car. We go into the Hartville kitchen. We sit down, and Ann says to me, she goes, ah, 
uh, we forgot Amanda's pacifier. It's out in the car. I said, I'll go get it. And let me see, I'm fragile at this moment. And I begin to walk out. And, there, you know, if you've ever been to the Hartville Kitchen, there's this long line in order to get in. And this older lady steps out of the crowd, and she points right at me. And she says, shame on you. Shame on you for splitting the church. You should be ashamed of yourself, and God will judge you. You might as well have hit me in the groin. I can't believe I just said groin. I, I, sorry. Oh, my wife's going to watch this and go, no, no, no. And I went out to that parking lot, and I got in the car, and I got that pacifier, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried. And I was so mad. And I thought, Lord, I am supposed to be doing your work. And I am a part of a church split, and I didn't cause it, and I was just a young youth pastor at the time, and it is not fair. And you sit that person down and you shut that person up and you inflict suffering on that person. And I was so mad. And I gathered myself up and I went back in and I avoided that lady. And I went and sat down and my wife goes, are you, she goes, are you okay? And I go, I'll be okay. And yet I wasn't okay. And I knew I had to talk to somebody or I was gonna let bitterness take control. And there was someone at our church that I knew had gone through a time in their life where they had been, been bitter towards a situation. And I called him up and I said, do you have time for coffee? He said, I sure do. And we met at a coffee shop. And I sat there for two hours. And I'm crying and my hands are in a fist. And I am mad and I'm crying and I'm mad and I'm crying. And I let it out. And I admitted it that I was so bitter towards this whole situation. And some of us are there today. Some of us know we need to admit it. When we see that person, we're reminded of that situation. It just comes up. And you can tell our life is not right when we're bitter. And, and I just said, I've got to admit this. I've got to face this. And that was the first thing I needed to do, is to expose it. Not deny it, but to expose it. And the second thing I need to do, which is a lot, a lot harder for us, is I'm going to cancel their debt. I'm going to cancel their debt. I'm going to cancel what they have done to me. And this is not easy, friends. This is a process. Back to the Hebrews passage, see to it that no one misses the grace of God. And it's not until we are under the power of God's grace that we can do any of these things. Because without the grace of God, we cannot be set free from the root of bitterness. I cannot forgive, and quite honestly, I will not forgive. If it's not for the grace of God, I will not forgive. I will be a bitter man the rest of my life. And I know this is hard, but the same grace that the Lord showed you and I by going to the cross and dying for us is the same grace that he's asking that we extend to the person or the situation to cancel their debt to cancel their debt. Now, if you would have told me that right after I had talked with this man, I would have gone, hey, I've gotten through half of this. I've at least admitted it. But the Lord's asking that we would cancel their debt. And I'm like, I'm not ready to do that. 
I'm not ready to do that. And the Lord started to work on my heart. And, and realizing the same grace that he has given me, I need to extend to someone else. Listen, if you're bitter towards somebody and you're able to cancel their debt, that does not mean that you have to go to Starbucks with them and have a coffee, okay? That does not mean that you have to be chummy again, and every time you see them, you go, hey, come here. No, okay? But it means that you are no longer to hold that against them. And really, that grace is more for you than it is for them. Canceling their debt is more for you than it is for them. You're not suffocating them. They're going on with their life. You're suffocating you. And it's withholding you from living the life Christ wants you to live. And so we see here, uh, do not deny the grace of God. The forgiveness and grace we extend to them is really more about us. Uh, Aristotle defined bitterness as the resentful spirit that refuses reconciliation to refuse reconciliation. Reconciliation is to bring the two parties together, to reconcile. You know what? Maybe that person doesn't even know that you're bitter towards him. But at least there's that means of reconciliation of, you know what? I'm going to cancel their debt. I'm no longer going to let that person control my emotions. It's not an easy journey to get to a place where you forgive people but it's such a powerful place because it frees you. There is a story in Matthew 18 where there is a servant who has an enormous debt and his master brings him in and the servant thinks that the master is going to throw him into prison. So the servant pleads and begs for the master to forgive him and the master cancels his debt, this enormous debt extends grace to him. And, and then the servant went out having his debt canceled and he sees a fellow servant that owed him a fraction of what he had been forgiven. And instead of showing the same grace he had been shown, he had that servant thrown into prison until he paid it. And it tells us in Matthew 18, verses 34 to 30, uh, 32 to 34, this is what the master says in response. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailer to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how your heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is not my opinion. This is what the Word of God says. This is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I don't know what the situation is today. But I do know that we're human, and I do know there are times when that emotion of holding a grudge can become so strong it begins to take over our life. And I am amazed at how people will hold on to their bitterness with such stubbornness these days. We've got to remember the grace of God, which he extended to us, and start ex extending that grace to others, especially to those we want to hold a grudge against. The grace of God enables us to move past the hurt and past the pain.
And so here's the application for us. Cancel that person's debt that you struggle against because God canceled yours. Two verses that I think are very helpful and have helped the healing process for me is in Romans 12, 18 that says, as much as it depends upon you, be at peace with everyone. And I know who those everyone people are. And then we see in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. Be kind. That's hard when we feel bitterness. Be forgiving, tenderhearted, just as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. So my wife had given me a list to go to Walmart. It was about a year, year and a half after the church split. I thought I was over. I thought I had healed. And I'm walking through, and I had gotten this massive thing of toilet paper. She tells me to pick up toilet paper. And I always feel awkward walking down a grocery aisle with a huge thing of toilet paper, especially if you run into somebody. And I turn the corner, and he's standing right there. The person that hurt me. The person that just, I felt abused and used. And he turned and our eyes met. And he goes, hey, Craig. And I go, hey. He goes, how are you? I said, I'm good. And I can only tell you it was the Lord. Because at that moment, I had total peace. I had canceled the debt. And I thought, that person no longer is causing me to be bitter. If anything, I felt pity on the person. But I thought, you know what? I'm okay. The Lord has gotten me through it. I have canceled their debt. Let me ask you a question this morning. What are you holding on to that keeps you from holding on to him? What is it in your life right now you find so much anger and bitterness that is keeping you from truly experiencing what Christ wants you to experience. And if you're here this morning and you've never put your trust in Christ, you'll never understand what it means to have bitterness taken away. But when you put your trust in Jesus, he's able to help you to admit your bitterness and he's able to help you to cancel the debt just as he has canceled yours. Don't let bitterness become a part of you for even one more day. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning. Oh, Lord, all of us in here have to deal with people and situations in our life. May we find that the root of bitterness does not give birth in our heart and begin to grow. May we see joy and may we be at peace with others and Lord, if we need to admit that today, if we, if we need to expose that today, to step out in the light and call it what it is, if we need to get together with somebody to express our, our frustration and our bitterness, may we do that. Father, help us to cancel the debt as you canceled ours, that we would no longer let that person control our emotions, but rather we would let you rule our life. And we thank you in Jesus' name.
Amen.